Call your siblings. Hello? Call your mom. Hello? Call your grandma. Hello, what the hell do you want now? Gather all your mules. I'm a dunk out bone outside. It's your release day at the Canning Run Podcast, and we're talking pastry stouts. Well, come on, get you some candy. You gave them some Snickers? Never drink another beer. Beer here. I'll take ten. All right. Hello to all you thick guys and gals, and welcome to the Canning Run Podcast. Each week we tackle a topic and ask ourselves one essential question. For this week, our essential question is, when did things go wrong for the pastry stuff? Or did things go wrong for the pastry stuff? I think it's important for everybody to remember that we are a bunch of New England boys. Um, and so our lens is going to be skewed. Um, and also remember, if you hear us say something that's wrong, rubs you the wrong way, you find it idiotic or verbose, let us know, okay? Send us an email and I promise you we will read it on the next episode and we'll either agree with you and, and say that you are a beer god you are a connoisseur or we'll just totally shit on you either way. <laughs> it's going to be a good time. Love you. <laughs> oh God, today. How do you even tackle this? I can kick it off with BCBS, you know, really the adject stout, at least in my opinion, seemed to be elevated um, in the mid nineties um, when BCBS really first introduced barrel aging um, into the scene. I was reading an article on Gear Patrol by uh, Ryan Brower, who seems to know his beer. Um, and really in, in 95, I think it was, Goose Island entered BCBS into the Great American Beer Festival, and it was mm. disqualified because <laughs> there was no style of beer that it, it, it matched. And of course, you know, it gained all its popularity and, you know, here we are now lining up on Black Fridays for BCBS still, even though it was bought out by AB and Bell. And uh, really, I think they, they paved the way for something 20 years down the road to be absolutely overdone, like everything else seems to be these days with the pastry stout. Well, I think, I think it's a good place to start there because um, the thing I always loved about BCBS as a beer is that it's a expertly crafted beer that I think you get a lot of complexity from the beer, but it's the adjuncts are simple. They're real, usually. I mean, I don't think they use extracts usually, but I could be wrong on that. I don't know, but really just a basic, just your standard BCBS, just a stout aged in a bourbon barrel. That's all you really need. It adds so much character, the vanilla or coconut you might get from that bourbon character. And it's kind of, it's comical to think about back that 25 years ago now that was revolutionary and looked upon probably more in a more harsh way than we're looking at a pastry stout now considering it was disqualified from the great american beer festival yeah well it's it's interesting the similarities between you know the the kind of the start of barrel age stouts at least uh to, to to the inception of the of the new england ipa in that both were kind of frowned upon uh, upon the inception and that it took 
you know, some time for people to really uh, see it as, as, as what it is, which is like a style that has a place in the community. It's interesting. And, and when I think about like the adjuncts that they're using within the BCBS series, I, I based off of a lot of the, you know, the, the barrel forwardness of some of the beers, I, I would expect that they're using actual adjuncts uh, like products as opposed to extracts but that being said like you know some of these one-offs that they're just kind of messing around with um you know why not but i I feel like the ones that people go after the tried and trues really do come from you know the the exceptional brewing practices yeah those vanilla and coffee ones for the adjunct ones those are the hopefully you know natural ones that uh i mean taste delicious so and and while some of their more experimental ones are amazing it, it, it feels like every year we're always like, if you can get your hands on a coffee one, that's almost always my favorite. Like the simpler the recipe, I think the like chan- chances are higher that they're going to hit a home run. Pretty severe lag, Justin. I couldn't hear anything yeah. you said. Oh, okay. Um, so pretty much uh, – the thing with the BCBS beers is usually I, f- I find their simpler recipes to be the best. Like I, I, I almost every year it feels like if we can get our hands on a coffee one, that's the one that I like the most. And then, um, although some of their experimental ones are really good, it just feels like consistently the simple recipes are the, the home runs every year. Totally agree. And well, really, to, to put that in, and to put that into perspective, Justin, like, Let's look at untapped to the top rated beers of all time. Right. Number two, rare bourbon country, uh, rare, Jesus Christ, rare bourbon County brand stout, 2010, 474, proprietors, bourbon County brand stout, number three, 2014, seven, uh, 474. And, and it just, it literally, there's like these little pockets within the, the, the highest rated. And, and, and obviously this is skewed. It's untapped, but you go back to it and every time it's like, it's, it's what, it's like what you guys were talking about with like the barrel being the focus, the bourbon County brand stout vanilla rye. So it's just, it's, it's interesting. You're exactly right. Like a lot of these like super intense adjunct ones don't make the list. The aspect that I think, which really elevates BCBS is bourbon barrels are the best adjunct in my opinion. It's really such a, pure way where it's it adds so much character but it doesn't take away from the base beer that's you know you can have an excellent base beer in in barrel age and it's only going to make it that much better you know then when you start adding the cookie dough and stuff that's when you need the weak base beer to uh yeah. really let the, the adjuncts take over but i think the bourbon barrel is really one of the best things to happen to stouts no, I agree because as you were saying, you, 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 that barrel is going to give you a lot of gold, but it's not going to hide anything. You know, like a lot of what we were talking about last week was that like, if I put in enough hops, if I put in lactose, if I add a, a you know, a puree of something, it's going to make it taste th- good. Uh, so you can kind of hide behind some of that uh, craftsmanship or lack thereof because you have these things that's boosting it up. But like, you take a shitty beer and you put it in a barrel, it's going to be a shitty beer with some barrel character. <laughs> yeah, Definitely. And a weak, a weak beer is just going to be taken over by that, the booziness from the barrel. And you're just, you're going to have a, a, 
a booze bomb. That's nobody, nobody likes that. So. Yeah. It'll just be gross sudsy bourbon. That That's my biggest complaint with most of these barrel aged stouts or even, even some of the, just the straight up adjunct stouts that aren't barrel aged is when, um, is when they become too boozy. That to me, that's the, that's a sign of a bad stout. And sometimes you can get away with it with a bourbon barrel because that's part of that bourbon flavor, I guess. If but, it has the character of a bourbon and the oakiness from the barrel, love that. Yeah. But if it's just the burn, I'm going to pass. Thanks. Yeah. Right. No, I agree. I, I, it's, it's interesting. Cause when, when I think about like, you know, not barrel aged adjunct stouts, like every, every once in a while, and, and a lot of people will make the comment that they're thin. And I think, Today, when you hear someone talk about a, an adjunct stout that's thin, it's because they're really used to the super intensity of the pastry stout, which is like, in its essence, going to be a very viscous, syrupy experience. So I get what people are really talking about is the body of the beer and that the thinness isn't necessarily a texture thing. It's, it's a flavor thing. Um, but, but it's interesting that, especially when people like flip-flop between those two now, you know, it's like palates are so used to that oversaturation of sweetness and even barrel character that, you know, when, they, when they're going back into just having something with like a stout with like an oatmeal stout or a milk stout, you know, it's like, it's like their, their palate wants more because they've experienced more. Um, and, and I don't know what today, not, well, not today, but like when I go back to drinking like a, a milk stout or a stout with some like peanut butter, you know, the, my mind instantly goes to Gunner's Daughter. Um, great because beer. Because it's, it's, it's a great beer. You know yeah. what I'm saying? But but when I think about the, the, the subtlety of that, I love that. And, 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 and I guess I just don't hear a lot of people talking about subtlety in general anymore in beer. Right. And I, I, it's, it's really because there is none. It's, it's <laughs> gone from a lot. Of, well, there is, but it's not, you know, once again, as always, we'll tend to listen to the loudest population and you know if they demand um vanilla and caramel and cocoa nibs all of this in the beer it's it's kind of what they're getting these days and it's tough to drink you know when you have a beer that and you know i know for a while we would seek out the most viscous stouts um because for a while i think it it was um, maybe it was just, you know, getting caught up in the trends, but I, I did believe that it was some of the best stouts, but, um, really two ounces is right. all you need. That's, that's the thing with these, with these beers that have like this different mouthfeel and they're super sweet. Like did that mouthfeel, the smoothness and like the sticky caramelness comes from like all the sugar. So it's like, you really only need like a one ounce or two ounce pour to really get everything that you're going to get out of that beer and everything after that is just like overkill. And it's honestly, it's kind of gross sometimes yeah. when, when I crack like a, um, like a KBS or a CB, like a, like a 12 ounce bottle of, of those founders stouts or even the breakfast stout, like just going back to the mouthfeel thing, it doesn't coat your mouth in sticky, gross sugariness. It coats your mouth in like coffee or, maple or whatever they whatever the adjunct is bourbon character yeah right and it's it's a much like easier beer to get through and not feel like you just like ate a chocolate candy yeah and like yeah in that in that sense it's almost crushable it is it is 
because it's 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 like taking a shot of Hershey syrup a lot of times with these pastry stouts. Um, and one that uh, comes to mind, I, Tony, I know you'll remember the name of this. Um, it was that marshmallow uh, beer. Marshmallow um, Mathers from The Answer. Yes, that. Uh, <laughs> the texture was literal marshmallow fluff. Yeah. I don't know how. It was honestly kind of impressive. Um, in a disgusting yet amazing way. I don't actually remember if I liked it or not, but all I remember is that I felt like I was drinking fluff, uh, yeah. <laughs> which is a weird feeling. You know, it seems like, oh, yeah, it's sweet and sugary, but... Um, it was know. gross. It was yeah. really disgusting okay. to try and drink. <laughs> you know, in, in the moment, we're, you're so excited because, you know, with the amount of adjuncts the answer uses, and, and, that's, and that's just their thing. Like, they fucking want to... Right hit you with flavor, like just bludgeon you with flavor. So it's, it's their thing and, and they do it well. And they have a rabid fan base down in Virginia because of it. But uh, for us in that moment, thank God that bottle was small because it, it took, it took moments to get out of the glass <laughs> and into our mouths almost. You're right. It was fluff. It was, it was black fluff that we called beer that day. It, it was almost like the texture <laughs> of a root beer float that's kind of been melting a little bit, but still a little, like you got the lumps of ice cream. Yeah. Um, it's, it was kind of like that. Which and then is, they added like a scoop of like Xanthan gum to it. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like if we, took, my beer. <laughs> if we took that thing out and started like mixing it all around, it would be like putty that the that kids use oh, in yeah. schools. <laughs> yeah. No, so, but, but that's that's a great point you know and that, and that's the that's the again it comes back to that subtlety like where did our subtlety go why can't we appreciate the the simplicity of a of a single adjunct stout like a coffee stout i don't i don't coffee think- beans not an extract you know right. a natural uh natural way of attaining that flavor that's not really cheating in my opinion but we can i think i think there's plenty of breweries that are doing like awesome like not over the top pastry boy stouts that are that are they use adjuncts beautifully, but but it just goes back to like with with stouts and IPAs, it just feels like the extremes kind of drive the industry where it's like everyone's trying to outdo each other, everyone's trying to make like like a beer that gets on people's trading list because of how freaking ridiculous it is, like. Yeah, it's that's that's what gets the press, you know. Yeah, that's what gets like all the hype boys to come out and like trade their seller, so that they can get like the newest, fanciest thing. Like, like a perfect example is is that like, um, all the new Veil stouts came out like the, the a week ago, you know. So all those Sleeping Forever variants came out, and everyone gets super into it. And this year, the big one was that seems to be going on the forums is the Bananas Foster Sleeping Forever, which is new. Because that has not been one that was an option for uh, us to trade for in the past couple of years. So it's interesting to see what people would give away for that. The best part about the pastry stout is that you can trade it for tons of Cantillon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The craziest concept in the world. But uh, one of my, my buddies I used to work with would um, always get uh, the Trillium special release uh, barrel-aged stout, adjunct stout, whatever, whatever pastry stout they're coming out with and flip it for Cantillon. And for a while, Trillium was coming out with a pastry stout, you know, almost once weeks. a week at times. Yeah. And, um, you know, at least a couple times a month for in certain for certain parts of the year. 
and he was just loading up on Ganteon. Can't go wrong with that. So right. useful. Well, good for him for doing the inverse to like stock his own seller on things that he clearly likes. You know, like if yeah. you're a, if you're a fan of Lambics, like good on you and smart to do it then because it's tough to it's tough to flip now for for the for Lambics like older Lambics like things that have been aging for a few years. So yeah, definitely. Which is wild to think about that the games change so much, but. I don't, I don't know. Of, uh, the Trillium pastry stouts I saw uh, about a week ago, maybe a little more, uh, on Jay Wakefield's Instagram mm. that uh, Trillium is brewing B2 of Affogato, which, you know, for me at least, was kind of one of the bigger entries into the pastry stout realm. I know wasn't the first, you know, Cycle and Jay Wakefield, really Florida – seem to, at least from my perspective, seem to have uh, really initiated that style. And it has, of course, spread up here to New England. But for me, Affogato was really one of those first things. So just you know, a little little tidbit of news that B2 is coming out, and I'm sure the pastry boys will be lining up for that. Does that pique your interest to get v- V2, B2? You know, I didn't love B1 and I was in the minority here just because uh, I don't like lactose and beer. And that was really my first experience with a, a with lactose in, in a stout to the extent, not, you know, a simple milk stout, but really loaded, uh, like bloats you. And I didn't, I just didn't like the feeling. I think uh, that was when we that's when things shifted like before we could we could easily between the three of us kill like a 750 of a barrel aged beer or even like a barrel aged beer with some light adjuncts like you know cocoa nibs coffee uh something you know pure like the, the purists will love the, the those adjuncts um but then it's interesting how like as time went on and we got closer and closer to like 2017 2018 when things really turned to that pastry boy uh, time that that was when we went from like, let's have a full glass and like kind of feel nice, you know, to, Oh God, we need to invite 25 people to the share <laughs> just so that each of us can have a Dixie cup full and be, and don't have, so, so we don't have to pour it. So we don't have to drain pour, you know, yeah. like that's, that's such a sad thing. That's such a sad change. It's and it's a sad change. And I noticed it a lot when we used to go to the Armsby Abbey uh, stout fest yeah, and, yeah. you know, it, it shifted like that between, I forget which years, it must have been 18 to 19. You had a lot of those barrel-aged, um, really great character beers. Uh, and then the next year, you know, just 2019, it, it, it flipped like that. Just, you yeah. know, snap of a finger and it flipped right to these uh, really overly sweet beers. And that was when, you know, it went from those really dynamic barrel-aged beers were were gone in two hours to those were the beers that were left over and lasted a week, two weeks. It was really interesting to see how how culture changed after after the, um, you know, like the the, the tasting notes, the the sweetness changed. Yeah, and and also similar to that, you know, all those good beers left over. I bought an adjunct BCBS in, I think it was April. So almost six months after it was released, there was a, an adjunct BCBS 
on the shelf of a liquor store. There's one left and it might've been, you know, fallen to the back and nobody saw it, but how is that possible? And you, Isn't that crazy? And you see KBS, you know, boxes and boxes. This is stuff that used to sell out ridiculously quick. And, and you know, I actually had the last year or two maybe, but from what I remember, really, really high quality, great character beer that people just don't want anymore. Well, that's because they've made so much of it. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say they finally started making it. <laughs> they started. That's, yeah. Combination of that and, um, you know, if, if you, I guess it's kind of weird because supply and demand doesn't always work in the beer industry uh, because if you have the supply, there's just no demand anymore. Nobody right. wants what is there. It's, it's an interesting, interesting concept. It, it is nice for the beer nerds, though, to walk into a liquor store and discover a, like a, a, a already seven-month-aged BCBS sitting on some <laughs> random liquor store shelf. Yeah. No, that's and a that's, thrill. That's a gift. A yeah, that's it is. That's a gift. And, and maybe that's a good thing for us, the people who, like, you know, understand good brewing, but don't allow it to, at least at this point in our, in our beer drinking, like taint us so much that we're like, we, we, we roll our noses at it. Like I wouldn't have a BCBS. I remember I was so excited when I got my first BCBS, uh, cause I found it at this super tiny liquor store, uh, which I think Justin actually, you told me about. I don't think I, no, I think you found it all on your own, but it was near, it was near Framingham. Well, yeah. it was on Route 9 in Framingham. And like, I brought it to my buddy, uh, who, who's, who's a longtime brewer. I, I, bought, I brought it to him for his birthday and I was so proud of myself and him and all the other people were just like, Oh, BCBS. Cool. Oof. And it was just like this. Yeah. It's just like this moment. I, I remember the first time I came across KBS on draft and I was so excited. I remember like geeking out to you guys, like me too, freaking out. And, and, and now it's like you're saying anywhere you go, you can find one of those beers guaranteed Even pretty much CBS. The Canadian founders. The first year it came back, the three of us coordinated so we could each get a bottle. And the next year, I I think I don't even think there's a limit on it. And like I'm still sitting on my bottles. And I didn't even think they made CBS in like a four pack of twelves this year. But I found (laughs) I found them like a month ago. And and not this year. That's I think that's last year's 2019 with just the horse on it, right? No guy, just the horse. Which is crazy to think how far we've come. You know, a beer that w- would shut places down almost, you know, because yeah. of the lines. Yeah, I had to wait at a massive liquor store for, for the one, for like the regular bottle release. But I can still find it months later. One, one beer I want to talk about that is, um, it, what reminded me of it was just finding it in a random liquor store is... And I also want to talk about the good and the bad of com- like creating these complex barrel-aged adjunct stouts. But the Triple Barrel by Big Bad Baptist is like one of my <laughs> favorite uh, adjunct stouts, and it's barrel-aged. But the Quadruple ba- Big Bad Baptist, which they released this year, is like, I'm sorry, but it's just, it's not even close to the same beer. It's not as good. Not even close. And um it's- it's again, it's, it's like you push the, you push that envelope too far. Right. And you lose the magic. But that is such a good beer. Triple, triple beer on Big Bad Baptist. If you can find it, get that. To me, one of the, the for, from a, just in distro, like the, the best 
barrel-aged stouts you can get through Distro, in my opinion, are the Revolution Brewing. Um, I know the, the the coffee variant is is oh, it's it's Death Star and yes. Cafe and Cafe yep. Death. Uh, unbelievable, and yes. and <laughs> to sit there and spend like fifteen dollars on a twelve ounce can is ridiculous. <laughs> However, unmatched un- unmatched complexity, in my opinion. Uh, from a beer that sits on a shelf. So, so we've kind of talked about this a little bit, but, and, and we've kind of touched upon the whole conversation with how these adjuncts and barrel aging, like affect our experiences. But, um, like, like, let's try to simplify it. Like what is the bad? What's, what's the good and what's the bad? Okay. Who wants to go first? Um, I, I'll take it, I'll, I'll, I'll take it away. You know, I think I, it's weird because the, the good is that it's always pushing the limit. Um, the bad is that it's always pushing the limit too far in my opinion, because I think keeping it new, keeping it fresh is really, um, great. But the problem is it's not, it's literally not fresh. It's, it's sugar and you know, it's not refreshing anymore. Not that stouts really had a refreshing, frame of mind around the style, but you some coffee stouts are refreshing. Yeah. And, and, you know, I always go back to like Guinness, just, you know, really one of the most famous stouts of course in the world is actually super light, um, which I know is counterintuitive. Yeah. And you just wouldn't think it and really full of so much flavor. And I think, you know, I love the, pushing the envelope to the barrel aged stouts and the different, you know, blending into different barrels, whether it's whiskey, rum, bourbon, and, you know, mixing those all together. And sometimes apple brandy, yeah, apple brandy, really unbelievable. Mm. Prairie really has nailed that. <laughs> apple brandy noir. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. What a fucking I, beer. I can't believe we haven't talked about them yet. Really. They're, yeah. Uh, they're, I mean, Great. Um, But, you know, I think once you get, once I got to the point where uh, one would do beer shares and I'd drink, I'd have a few sips. And if it wasn't great, I would, I would pour it down the drain because I, I knew that those sugars in high alcohol would literally either keep me up at night or give me a hangover from like one beer, which is not fun. So when it got not fun after drinking it, that's kind of where I drew the line. That, that's definitely on my list of bad, of, of parts of the bad experiences associated with like the sugary stouts is just like the experience after can be miserable. Like we're talking like 20 minutes on the toilet. We're talking <laughs> night sweats. We're talking man boobs. Yeah, the we whole, are talking man boobs. The whole trio of things that we don't want in our lives. <laughs> <laughs> Those are the things. <laughs> Those are the three things nobody wants. <laughs> we want to have regular BMs, a nice night's sleep, and flat chests. Exactly. Well, yes. We, we have none of those. <laughs> no, I, I think that's a perfect transition, man. Like, we literally started calling these things man-titty stouts. Titty boy stouts. Titty boy stouts. 
Titty milk, milk boys. Titty milk stouts. Titty milk. <laughs> titty milk boy stouts. It's unbelievable to me that, that that we can go from having something that we like seek out and it is done well that is perfectly balanced. You know, like like if you're a fan of Prairie, you know, like the Bourbon Paradise. That's a wonderful beer. Even just down to bomb. Birthday Even bomb. birthday bomb. And all of them are done really well. All of them taste super good, and they're not too much. They're they're almost too much, but they're not too much. Yeah. And they come in the small, the small ounce twelve ounce. It's brilliant. Bottles. I don't want. They to know exactly how to distribute it. But then <laughs> it became more and more, more and more. And like now, what are we? What are we, are we going to give folks magnums of uh, Trillium's tiramisu? Whoa! Like, <laughs> who's going to drink that? No one has enough friends. I did like that one. Okay, fine. I'll change it to something else. Fuck, I can't remember any of them because they all are the same. Junction Junction. Oh, God. Let's let's not talk about that one. Okay. Yeah, let's get a a magnum of that. And I bet we could bring it to like a beer festival and still have some by the end. (laughs) My, not to pass little side note on a junction junction. Do you guys remember when we opened that up and the beer had literally separated and there were like oil, like, cause there's all these adjuncts oh. or oils. I think from, I, I'm assuming from the nuts. Uh, I really don't even know. I don't remember what was in it, but the beer had separated and my glass had brown liquid in it and it was light brown and yours had a darker brown. And then I think Justin's was the last pour, and it was the darkest brown. So, yeah. <laughs> Justin, had the, Justin had the best pour. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, that's, that's what it comes down to. If you're going to take, like, actual candy bars and other things and put them in beer, you, you got to know that the quality you're putting out there might not be as you intended as the brewer. And I think that's kind of one of the arguments for the – why brewers at least kind of justify the pastry stout because really maintaining um, the proper level of fermentation while you're putting all this bullshit in beers is <laughs> difficult. So, you know, the science aspect of it is actually hard. It's very hard. But when you're talking about a basic, you know, base beer, a base stout, you kind of need a weaker stout for it to be taken over by all these adjuncts and get the flavors. So it's this weird kind of fine line of it is really difficult, but like this is just a a weird path that brewing has kind of gone down, I guess. So you're saying in the master brewer handbook, there's not like a section that tells you how a Snickers bar is going to interact with all those alcohol in your beer. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there might be now, but yeah, seriously. Snickers, but not the Milky Way. At what gravity is the best uh, emulsification of both? That's my question. Like, like, what do they recommend? The double-stuffed Oreo or the most Single stuff? stuff. <laughs> <laughs> really, it's the Halloween, the Halloween Oreo with the orange frosting. That uh, that's the uh, best. Um, really, hey, elevates the beer. So, to be fair, like when I first had that. Um, uh, what's what's the, what's the Oreo one that we had? Yes, Horn Swaggler with Oreo. That was an incredible experience because it was literally just a lot of Oreos. And this beer. is where I'm torn on it. Um, because And that's a 16-ounce can, so maybe that's why I'm more uh, accepting of it. But I love those. Um, yeah, and, me too. You know, a lot of times the simpler, the better. 
uh, did apply to them, but they put the Oreo peanut butter on was the first one I had. And, it, and really for a while, it, it broke the beer trading market. I remember that was going for $100 a can easily. And, yep. you know, then Unreal. they started coming out with all different kinds and it, it did lose, you know, value, of course, from $100. But um, really, they I, I feel like the veil kind of nailed it for a while. I haven't had one recently, but uh, that that series kind of was as far also as I'd go for pastry stouts, still enjoying it and still being able to drink it. And I think part of the viscosity there wasn't, it wasn't overly sweet, even though we're, they were putting these super sweet characteristics and ingredients in the beer. It wasn't over the top somehow. The French oh, vanilla Hornswoggler. Unreal. It was very good. It was good. Oh, I remember that one. <laughs> But here's the thing, though. This isn't even a pastry boy, in my opinion. It's just an adjunct stout, where they put different adjuncts in a simple in a simple stout. Like That's like the true. baseline Hornswoggler was like a very simple beer, and then it was just elevated by whatever flavor profile was put in it. Sometimes for maybe better, sometimes the, for worse. Maybe it's the imperial stouts that really get to me. Uh, you know, once you get that, you're over 10% ABV, you have the sweetness, because those – you know, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I think we're probably around like 7% uh, ABV, which isn't, isn't that bad. Look at actually a double stuffed Oreo. I, they actually did do that. And I, and we had that. Um, so that joke we just made was actually about a real beer, um, <laughs> that, it's not yeah, a but, it, but it's 7%. <laughs> it usually is nowadays. Yeah, really. Uh, and it's, it's classified as a stout milk slash sweet on untapped. So yeah, I guess it's not a, not a pastry boy, but, who knows? Does, un- yeah. does Untapped have a pastry stouts category, or do they just call them milk sweet? I'm not sure. I'm, I'll, I'll do some digging. It's a yeah. good question. I mean, f- to me, I have not necessarily a problem, but kind of a problem with like this fact that like we have to name exactly what it is. Like, like everyone wants to know exactly what's in it, exactly what it is so that they can read the name and then they can be like, you know what? It actually kind of does taste like uh, an, an, an Oreo McFlurry, you know, yeah. because they put, you know, a thousand Oreo McFlurries in the beer. And what is that? You know, like if, if the beer doesn't reflect the, the, the dish or the dessert or the pastry that you're doing, does that mean it's a piece of shit? Yeah, really. And I always <laughs> think if you're adding, you know, if you're not using extracts and you're you, you know, using cacao nibs, vanilla, all these things, and you set out for, you know, just say an Oreo, but it comes out tasting like a Snickers. You just change the name from Oreo to Snickers. I don't know. Um, there is a style on Untapped though for stout imperial double pastry. Um, that was just one that came up for me. So, uh, you know, there, there are a handful of beers classified as pastry stouts on untapped. So it's legit. I, I guess to me, it's just really lazy. You know, it like, it takes all of the, the, the needing to like know what beer is and like experience beer to be able to like, like, specifically palate what it is you're tasting and it's just like you don't need to worry about that anymore we've taken it away which is fine and we're going to tell you exactly what it is that you're drinking so you taste those things and you agree with us and you come back for more because it was a it was literally a milkshake i think people just like milkshakes i think americans 
really like milkshakes. <laughs> it's, so, and, and so they, they also want to get drunk. They want to get drunk off milkshakes. It's funny because the magic thing about craft beer when we first got into it, for me at least, was that we could drink an absurd amount of beer and I would feel fine the next day. And, you know, it, it was, I think, kind of as nerdy as this sounds because, you know, talking about the tasting notes and what you got on the nose and if it had like a little tobacco-ish um, scent or flavor to it, like that was, that was kind of fun. That was yeah. interesting because it wasn't, it wasn't spoon fed to you. And now it's like, oh, uh, we have a, a double peanut butter cup stout and you smell it and you're like, oh my God, it smells like a peanut butter cup. It's like, no shit. <laughs> it, there's, there's chocolate and peanut butter on a really dull base beer. So all you taste is chocolate and peanut butter. And honestly, I'd rather just eat a Reese's at that point. Yeah. Unless it's Gunner's daughter. Unless it's Gunner's daughter. <laughs> Don't even get that's me started. Like- Don't even get me started. And that's, that's another thing though, just about um, Gunner's daughter, you know, which is, we've all had it. Um, doesn't get the love it deserves. Great beer. Um, really ahead of its time. And as we all know, when Treehouse comes out with Hawks, what does it hold on to Sunshine? Hold on uh, to Sunshine. You know, it's essentially kind of a shittier version of <laughs> Gunner's Daughter, as we all know. Well, Gun- um, Gunner's Daughter, you can get basically any time at any liquor store almost. Probably it's amazing. For half the price, it, too. I yeah. don't know for sure. No, 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 no. I mean, one bottle. For sure. Of, yeah, definitely half the price. Absolutely and, half the price. It's a shelfie, and and it still tastes good every time. And, and you can drink two of them, yeah, <laughs> and, and not feel dead. And not a half. And and honestly, I have to I have to thank you, Tony, for this because I remember when we had Hold On to Sunshine, oh, um, and you know we were kind of well, at least you were a little blasted at that point, uh, and <laughs> and really all you said was that allegedly, was, allegedly, uh, it was a shittier version of Gunner's Daughter, which is, which is a good beer, but it gets this, um, but Hots was, it broke the market for a little bit, you know, locally for Treehouse, probably the trade market too. And it was really that sought after beer that was, and we were convincing ourselves, at least I was, I don't know about you, Justin, but we were convincing ourselves that Hots was amazing because it was hard to get and we finally got it. And and Tony, you kind of opened at least my eyes to the fact that like, wait a second, it's not that good just because it has Treehouse or Trillium or. Let's be fair. Like they were the first that I think that beer was one of the first like adjunct stouts that they had come out with in a long, long time. And this was when everyone was super obsessed with good morning. Everyone wanted good morning. And basically Treehouse is like, we're never going to do it again because it'll get CBS treatment and that people just be like, Oh, it's, it's okay. I guess because it's a beer from a different time and palates are so transformed. I think in a negative way these days that they can't really kind of transcend past sweetness. So for me, I was so excited about this beer and, you know, finally sharing it with my best friends, sitting down and like, it was just so upsetting to know that like this other beer that I've had so many times to me was better and better brewed. It was yeah. a better brewed beer, which ultimately like, again, this was early on in, in Treehouse's little journey and maybe it came from Munson. I don't know. I don't know what they were doing with all those trucks. Okay. Maybe they were bringing stuff in, 
but this could have been like their base thing that they were doing in Charlton and it just was an inferior beer. And I could go back to that night and talk at you guys for another two hours. <laughs> and I could say the word wafer uh, 300 times, but I'm, I'm going to spare everyone from that today. Gunner Sider is a better beer. Fight and me. You honestly, uh, brought up another great point uh a beer that i've totally forgotten about good morning (laughs) i for a long time that was really a white whale and then you know eventually just accepted that it's gone forever and never coming back and if if you didn't get to try it you're shit out of the lock for the most part (laughs) um and they haven't released it and i think it's a good move by treehouse by the way to not release that because it'll tarnish it yeah it really it'll never will. live up it'll never live up to the, the the pedestal that it's been put on by those like early treehouse folks and that's the nice thing about when you're a small small brewery and only a small amount of people can drink your shit is that it's going to be elevated insanely like if 45 people drink your beer and all of them give it a five it's a five you know if 4500 people drink it and you know all the ratings are between three and a five it's going to be a much more diverse rating. So they had the benefit of the doubt early on. Good for them. And, and here's the thing. If 45 people know that they're one of 45 people to drink that beer, <laughs> they're going to rate that beer way higher. And that brings me to a great beer comment of the day. And this is from Reddit. And I just want to read this because it touches, it says basically what we're saying in a different way, but it's, it's a really good point. And it's by some username, Saucy, on Reddit. And this is from five years ago. I don't trust rankings unless they are blind. Factors like hype and difficulty of acquisition play too big of a role when people know what they are tasting. If you hear a bunch of people talking about how great a beer is, then see it ranked at Beer Advocate's top 250, then you wait in line for 18 hours to get it. Chances (laughs) are you have a pretty well-set idea of how much you are going to like that beer before you even taste it. That's very true. Wow. Yeah. Spot on. And, and that hype is what fuels like the conversations that they have with other people because they want you to know that you've had, you know, good morning back when they were in uh, Brimfield, you know, when they were in that shack in Brimfield, like the people who've been there since Brimfield want you to fucking know they've been there since Brimfield. But beyond <laughs> that, like, and, and this is the same for all those beers, you know what I'm saying? Like those one-offs that come, and like for, for Affogato, I bet it's, I bet people are going to go insane for it because they missed out the first time, but maybe it's too far removed and people don't care anymore. Not only that, people will care, I think, but you're going to get a lot of, uh, the people that tried it the first time around, there's going to be a lot of comments that say, mm, not as good as B1, just because yeah. there's a lot of people out there that didn't get to try B1 and you have to yeah. elevate yourself by putting people down in the beer industry, apparently. So, you know, that's how Spot I thought on. Oh, yeah. It all goes back to the absolute shittiness of beer culture. It's, it, <laughs> the shitty it's, side of beer culture. Because there's right, a yes, positive yes, and yes. We, we talked about the positives last week, and we had some nice moments where you guys changed my cold little heart. Okay? But I agree. Thanks. Some of beer culture fucking sucks. It's nasty. It's grody. It is. And... Uh, you know, kind of on that point, not just the culture from the drinkers, but and kind of like what I said a few minutes ago about how I used to be able to drink the beer and feel great the next day. Maybe that's getting older. I don't like to think it is because I think the beer's gotten weirder. <laughs> uh, but 
the bad part of the craft beer industry. It's kind of a lie in the sense where you people think it's this local craft, everything, you know, not literally homegrown, but kind of homegrown and all natural. And, and I think the beer industry is kind of, the craft beer industry is living off the vibes of this all natural feel, which you kind of throw out the window when you bring pastry stats into the equation. You can still get away with it with the New England IPA. It's just a shitload of hops. But uh, when you're adding lactose sugar and, you know, vanilla bean, I kind of like actually, so I'm not going to pick on that. But um, oh, Vanilla bean's so nice. It really is. Um, but, you know, when you're aiming for these candy bars and, um, and when you bring in extracts, you know, what, what's the point of extracts? What's, what is the skill in brewing a, you know, banana split stout? You really think you're throwing a couple bushels of bananas in the mash? I don't think so. And, you know, I think it's kind of a lie in the sense where it's, it's no longer about brewing. Right. It comes back to the, the, the purity, though, of, like, some of these adjuncts that get put in. Like, if you put a banana, it changes flavor profiles because it's getting, like, cooked. It's getting broke down. Like, it, like the, the what makes up that banana is changing throughout that process. So, like, that banana flavor that you start with may not last that brewing process depending on what it is that you're doing. But an adjunct, but right. an adjunct will stay the same every time. And that's why people like using them because like if I'm really relying on a banana flavor or let's, let's change gears to when I'm really relying on a, on a fake strawberry flavor, cause I'm making a Napoleon, uh, an, oh, sorry, a Neapolitan uh, stout. You know, if I really need that fucking fake strawberry flavor to come through to bring it all together, I'm going to use that extract because I really, really want it to taste like fake shitty ice cream. And that's, that's the funny, funny that you say Neapolitan. (laughs) Yeah. I knew you'd like that. Well, because you know, we've tried them and when you, when you take a sip of a Neapolitan stout and you're like, Oh my God, I can taste the chocolate. I can taste the vanilla and I can taste the strawberry. It's because there's equal, parts extract of chocolate, <laughs> vanilla, and strawberry. Uh, nah, no, it's expert uh, brewery uh, practices. Yeah, maybe it's, you know, 30, 40, 30%. I don't know. Hey, it, to be it, fair, the beer that you're talking to right now was a brown ale and not a It stout. was a brown ale. So and it was, I loved it. It was good. I'll give it that because it I wasn't want overly everyone sweet. to know I loved it. It wasn't overly sweet. Because brown ales are dope. That's true. They don't get any love, though. No, they don't. No, they never do. In good knee. Ne- oh, no, 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 no. Continue. Well, I was just going to say, a good ne- Neapolitan uh, stout is the Untitled Arts Neapolitan stout. That's one of their best <laughs> yes. ones. That one is really good. That's yeah. a good point. I, I didn't even think about that one. But, but they probably go- use extracts. For sure. For sure. I mean, the fact that you can get something that, that holds that flavor profile that's meant to go into distribution, for sure an extract. Yeah, because that other brown ale we're talking about was was never meant to go into distribution. Uh, <laughs> it, it probably could, though, to be honest, with the amount of like, extracts that are in it, it would probably last, you know, to the dawn of time. Pretty sure it was in a crowler too. So 
<laughs> Everyone loves crawlers. You know, those machines are cool. They're like, <laughs> you know? I mean, it was, I would rather drink a crawler of that by myself than about six ounces of a pastry boy stout. Wow. That's lonely. It's true. It's taken me about yeah. an hour to get through this uh, 16 ounce can of pastry boy stout. But also, it just that. shows you how difficult it is to consume. I got a yeah, I got a insufferable by Finback. It is a Imperial Stout <laughs> with coffee and vanilla, baby. Wait, what is it called? Insufferable. Which kind of is a good way to that should be the title of the episode. Yeah, it really should be. This episode is called Insufferable. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. Because I mean that Perfect. that is kind of how like it's just like the IPAs like they've just taken it they have taken it a little bit too far and while some good things have come from that there is it's just like you know we're joking about it because it's turned into a little bit of a joke it's absolutely a joke and in all honesty the pastry stout has gone far beyond what the IPA has and will do I, agree. I don't think you can ever go further than what the pastry stout is doing right now but hey who knows you know 25 years ago, barrel-aged was, uh, you know... Looked down upon. Yeah. But, I mean, the the reason we shit on it is because, like, it it maybe never should have happened. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you were to have the definition of excess in the the beer world, it would be a a pastry stout. Yeah. It's It's literally just an extreme. It's a caricature. If an IPA is, like, a healthy Greek yogurt... The pastry boy stout is like a yo play crunch. Like you're not fooling anyone. You're literally you're eating candy. Yeah, and that's that's as simple as you can put it. I tried to find uh, <laughs> how many calories are in a pastry stout. I I didn't look very hard because I was a little afraid uh, to you know, really face. Don't it's, it's kind of like looking up the calories in a Seven Eleven Slurpee. You don't want to <laughs> like know. Ten times as bad, probably. Like, Maybe. You know, it's it's like sludge sometimes. And I hate to say that because I do love beer. And at the end of the day, as much as I complain about it, I love the craft beer world, uh, even all the things I hate about it. But it, it, it's literal sludge sometimes. Yeah, if, I'm, drink, I'm drinking it right now. If, if we had the opportunity to just have like one sip and that's it, I think we would enjoy it. And this is something that I, and I think I might have touched upon this, last weekend when talking about um, the New England IPA, when I went to Bissell Brothers and, you know, a couple of years ago, you could get a two ounce pour. And when I went recently, it was like five or 10. (laughs) I loved the two ounce. I think it was a two ounce pour. I could be making that up. Um, But it was a very small pour. Um, Maybe it was four ounces, five ounces, whatever. But you could get a very small amount and, um, you know, I see a lot of tap rooms moving towards bigger pours of these pastry stouts to just move volume because it's a competitive yeah. game out there and everybody's trying to move as much inventory as possible. But who wants, you know, I, I almost want to go up to the tap room bartender and say, hey, can I, can I taste this? And that's enough. You know, so I'll taste your pastry stouts and then get my pour of a Pilsner and be happy. Yeah. Oh. Like, like put a dab on my finger and I'll <laughs> rub it in my gums and that's enough. But I mean, last time we, we kind of skewered a little bit Treehouse for putting in adjuncts into their IPAs, but they are just as bad at taking their already 
pastry stout, pastry stouts, and then adding more. They know their consumer. They know their consumer. They They literally take maple syrup stouts and then put more maple syrup in them. I love that. Uh, That's one of my favorite adjuncts. I like maple syrup too. You know, give me a, give me a pancake and some butter all day, but like, what? (laughs) You're basically assuring that you're going to get the note that you want, which I guess they, they do. They, they pick the big ones, the good ones, the maple syrups, the marshmallow, the peanut butter, the other things. It's, it's just, it's, it's insanely excessive to me, in my opinion. I agree. And I think, um, you know, sticking on the tree house trend there, double shot the first time I had double shot, it was batch 500. I remember and blew my mind. And I, I really think in terms of a, an Imperial stout that isn't a pastry boy, um, but just a, a delicious Imperial stout to this day, one of the best I've ever had. Um, and seeing the trend of double shot over the years. And I think now it's even in cans and I, you know, I'm not going to, not going to give them, any trouble for you know saying putting double shots in cans now but don't put double shot in cans like that's what double shot means to you now that it's in a can you know there's something special about that bottle with the couple sitting at the french restaurant or whatever the hell it is i loved it glass is glass yeah it's classy and but it's falling off because people don't want it anymore it sits for weeks if they make just the base beer nobody wants it you know why because People are stupid. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and they need to have some sort of flavor with it because they yeah. can't like just appreciate the complexity of a really well-made beer. And that's, what's kind of sad about all this is that, is. you know, well-made stouts, you know, that it's hard for them to stand on their own and people don't brew them because they don't make money. So it kind of makes you wonder if I don't really know who invented the pastry stout, but whoever, whatever brewery started adding all this bullshit in everybody had to kind of adjust because if one person does and then the next brewery does and then this brewery does and if you know treehouse does then trillium does or vice versa and if you know other half does or evil twin they're in both in new york right i don't know they both do it either way actually i don't know if other half does they probably do but they're more on the imperial ipa so um but yeah you know it, it started this trend where if one person does it everybody has to do it and it, it kind of just contributed to the loss of identity in the beer market where some breweries were true to their style. And then it's like, well, you know, everybody just wants this now. So we have to just do this. And that's where I hate that it's gone because it's, it's, it's rooted out a lot of things that, you know, a, a lot of things like Pilsner's or a lot of lighter beers, you know, like a Schwarz beer or, you know, um, sours or 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 natural like lambics uh anything anything that kind of veers off of the av the avenue of like the pastry boy the pastry stout or the new england ipa it's like that takes up so much of the market share that like breweries aren't necessarily willing to take a gamble on taking a tap and designating it specifically towards like a lager or a dark lager or something really interesting. Um, you know, like a Hefeweizen or something because of that. And so you have to kind of wait. It's almost like I have to wait once every six months for there to be something like that, even at Treehouse. and they make, and they make excellent other styles, but it's because it's not paying the bills because you know, they need to make their allotment of 
of all of those other things in order to be able to pay for almost the space to put these other styles. And that's, I think, where the diversity of the market is lacking severely. And it's, it's too bad because you have these great beers that aren't that for any, for, you know, whatever isn't super desirable anymore that just kind of sit and luckily stouts don't, you know, you can, you can sit on them, but perfect example. I like to say is secret stairs by Trillium. Great, basic stout, amazing flavor, super chocolatey stout, just from the, you know, just flavor from the malt. It's, it's really just a great brewed beer. Um, but you know, if they come out with a pastry stout, it's going to sell in no time, and Secret Stairs is going to sit there. And I would drink a four-pack of Secret Stairs before I could drink a half a bottle of a pastry stout. Yeah. I, and, and, and it keeps coming down to this. Every time we'd have shares, you know, you'd always have a 750 of a pastry boy. And every week we'd be like, oh, let's wait till next week. Oh, let's wait till next week. Because it was just like, it's almost like a a mountain you have to climb to be able to get through the bottle. Because like in our shares, we don't really like to be wasteful. We like to drink our sips. We like to consume uh, the bottle out of respect for the brewing practice. But like, it's that hard. It is. (laughs) It took us like three months. Yeah, absolutely. And, And it has gotten to the point though, like I said earlier, I'm, you know, it's kind of freeing to acknowledge that you don't have to drink it sometimes. And I, right. you know, I'm not ashamed to say that I have poured some, you know, after I've had my three or four ounces and there's 12 left in my glass. I'm sorry, but that's going down the drain. Hot take. That, that, on me. That's, when the, that's when the downsides of the style rear, rear its ugly head. And you just gotta, you just gotta take it for what it is and say, you know what? they are pushing the boundaries so hard on this shit that uh, this is trash and <laughs> I don't have to drink it. It's okay to swing and miss sometimes. I'll exactly. And okay. I, and Absolutely. I'm, I'm fine I'm with that. I'm not going to have great beers unless you swing and miss, unless your Hill Farm said and everything you release is perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but they would never make a pastry boy because it goes against that's everything that, that is pure in the world. And maybe and I, that's why they're perfect. So. And I, I think that's where, like, a lot of our discussion of, like, like where do things go wrong in the beer industry, like, go back to. It's, like, it, it's so hard not to have such, like, a high amount of respect for breweries like that who are, like, uncompromising and who, like, take some risk. But at the same time, they're, like, let's not be fucking assholes here. Like, let's let's make beer that people can, like, almost taste the integrity and, like, the like the the mastery in the brewing process. The fact that it took them as long as it did for them to just can a pale <laughs> or IPA shows how much they value integrity. And yeah. they still, and they still will not do 16 ounce uh, cans either. You know, they do the 12ers. Yeah, it is in 12ers. I like the 12ers, but um, their beer is too good. I want the 16, you know, if we're splitting a can, and we're yeah. spending it three ways. I want more than four ounces of that. Oh, God. Not, not that this brewery is anywhere near on the level of Hill Farmstead, even though some may argue they are, but Main Beer Company, Mean Old Tom, that's a great stout that gets no love. It has some adjuncts. It has, like, some vanilla bean in it. 
I love that they come out with new beers too. Like I see new, or at least new to me, I see their beer um, and Mino Tom is great. Um, but you know, I, I, I totally agree in terms of integrity. They have really from at least what I've seen stuck to what they think is their game. And right. You know, they have a loyal following because of it. It goes the only, a long way. The only dive that I, I think the only compromise they've ever made was second dinner. Was, I when they took, it. was when they took dinner and then like, did a double of it. I think that's yeah. the only time where they really went like outside of what they normally do, which is just brewing very good, true to style beers. And and I agree, to, uh, Justin. That is exactly the type of brewery that like sticks to their moral integrity. One hundred percent. Yeah, well, and those are few far between. Few far between. One other thing I just want to say about like the style of stouts in general, which I which I really like about the style, is that um, it's not location specific you know what i mean like there are great brewers all around the country that are that that are not trying like the, that are not copycat brewing they're not trying to recreate the new england hazy ipa like bottle logic uh russian river red like uh uh north coast brewing like there's plenty of west coast and east coast brewers making really interesting stouts whether it's barrel aged or pastry stouts or just well produced adjunct stouts yeah i i think there's there's brewers all over the place who don't even try to mess with the 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 pastry stout because it's it's expensive it's complex and um you you know it it kind of goes against everything you know it kind of goes against a lot of integrity that's what we've really kind of talked about like like beer culture and, and really the consumerism aspect of it has really is what brought us to all this excess is that like, you know, you were talking about Tom, the, the mimicry of like, well, Jay Wakefield made a pastry boy. We got to make one. And it's just like everyone's doing because they want a hand in that pot so mm. that they're getting that money, which is helping fuel the growth of their brand. Uh, and, and unfortunately that type of, of consumerism excess of, of like the, the, the type of person who goes and spends, their money on beer is what really has changed it i think in a negative way yeah i agree and what i'm looking forward to is you know getting their hand in that pot to you know make that make some more money uh but what what's next then what if you're making a sack you know and maybe it's not a sacrifice but if you're making a sacrifice and going away from your integrity and in, in making these pastry stouts what are we getting next that what are you funding what are you trying? What bigger project that's really about the brewing arts are you trying to uh, get enough money behind now? And and you know we might not see for a year, two years. We may never see. My yeah. thought is we probably never see um, because I think there is a definite loss of identity. I, uh, I have a possible answer for you, and I think it's the existence of these craft brewers themselves. They are like clawing their way in for just like safety and security in the industry they want to be a brand that either does something different enough or good enough that they're going to be around forever but it's too bad because there's a and i can see why a lot of the smaller breweries uh you know up and coming trying to make it why they would do it but why would treehouse why would trillium why 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 when you have hill farms that and breweries like them who stick to what they know. And, you know, there are some great breweries that have started to 
dive into the Patriots that game. And, and, you know, that started, it's been years now um, and has, you know, really led to that loss of identity. And it could, you know, it's a panic move, but at the same time, stick behind your, your Julius, stick behind your double shot, stick behind single shot is actually super underrated. Um, you know, stick behind those staples because if, if you just brew what you, you love to brew in what you set out to brew, you're going to be, uh, you know, a happier, more love brewery. And I think that kind of, it, it turned in from a, it's kind of the perfect example of how it turned from wanting to brew big, good beer to wanting to open a bigger brewery. Uh, and it's, you know, it, it turned into a, a contest of who can have, the bigger tap room or open a restaurant. Um, and it's, what's the goal? Because the magic of craft beer is that it's local. And well, it's, it's local. It, it brings yeah. people together. Yeah. You know, there, there's like a reason to go down because you have an established connection with that person who owns that business or works at that business and they treat their employees really well and their employees love to be there and they want to be there so they make it an environment that makes it so engaging for you to go to which is why you continue to go back you go because the product's good but you also go because you want to be a part of that culture that 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 brewery's established right you know that's something that you buy into that you that you can't purchase you can't you can't purchase that type of excitement and culture within a brewery and at a good at a good brewery that feeling is undeniable it's easy it's you, you you feel it on the flip side, though, um, in taking the point of view of, of Treehouse now, if they didn't open a bigger facility, they probably would. Like, I, I think that Munson was getting, the town was getting mad at them because of the amount of people that would line up. So, yeah. you know, it's this weird, you know, they almost had to, and not that I think they've lost their identity. I think they've 100% kept their identity with some, you know, weird weird things on the side for sure. But, Agreed. Um, but they're kind of put in this difficult situation where if they don't expand, then people don't, you know, they, they might get in tr- literal in trouble with the town because of, you know, parking restrictions. And I mean, people were nuts um, going to Treehouse, So it was awful to expand. And now they have a bigger brewery. It's like, okay, shit, now we have to move all this product. So now we have to go, you know, to more of these trends of what the market wants right now. So I guess, you know, at the end of the day, people just need a bigger parking lot. <laughs> yeah. And, and they need to not be in a residential area, which is, I think yeah. ultimately what really bit Treehouse in the butt was that their brewery was literally right next door to people who lived there. Yeah, you have people literally driving on other people's lawns, crashing into trees. Yeah, every time there was a crazy release, the cops were called, you know, by the people who lived up there because people would be parking on their lawns, people would be turning around their driveways, people would be like walking over their plants in their front yards. It was was insane. Uh, You'd never see anything like it. There was literally like paths in the grass of just foot traffic, you know, they were all dirt. (laughs) <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure. One time, I saw a house that had like a pay for parking, like ten bucks. You can park. I mean, I would. I would. <laughs> I know. I would make a deal with them and say, "Yeah, I'll. You know, I'm going to charge parking, and I, I expect a case of your, you know, whatever you're <laughs> packaging that day on my doorstep every morning, and I'll be the best neighbor in the world." 
Oh yeah. Oh, that's the other thing about Treehouse is like the like all the deals in the parking lot, all the deals on the way back to the <laughs> car. <laughs> I miss that about months and more. You still see yes. it in Charlton, but when you'd walk out and somebody would open the trunk and they'd have like three cases of sip of sunshine, well, which you can get in a gas station these days. Um, and but it was a big deal. And that type like, of camaraderie can only come from like shared misery. Yes, you know, like we both stood in really cold, in a, in really. Cold Cold weather for two hours. We're both really miserable. So we we are brothers. We are sisters in a way. You know, like we are family because we share our misery. Well, one time after spending like I don't know, like eight hundred dollars on beer, there, <laughs> some guy was like, "Dude, I just want to like like can I buy one can off of you?" And I was like, "You know what, man? I'm gonna make your day." And I sold it to him at face value. I was like. <laughs> I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna upsell you this, dude. I like, thought you were gonna I be don't like. Need all this. I thought you were gonna be like. And you know what? You can have this for free. Absolutely <laughs> not. <laughs> no face value, though. I think that's pretty fair. No, that's really yeah, fair. Yeah, Definitely. yeah. You should have at least charged him like, you know, time and a half or I whatever. Should, I, I should ask for a picture of him naked and said, "I can blackmail you and <laughs> ask for money." Dudes, that I'll give you a can. <laughs> uh, Amazing. All right. We should get to the, the palate cleanser. Oh, yeah, are you guys ready for a palate cleanser? Oh, baby. Oh, yeah. Do I have a treat for you boys? I'm excited. Okay. For this. So today we have a palate cleanser game called What the Fudge Did You Put in My Beer? <laughs> you guys ready? Yes. Okay. So the rules are I will read you a beer name and you will have to tell me what odd, meaning not normal, normal uh, ab- adjunct or ingredient is in that beer. Okay. Right. And at any point you will have three lifelines. Okay. So your first li- lifeline is I will read you an untapped comment, but I will edit it if they say what it tastes like. Your second is you can have a beer description. I will read the exact description of what's on the untapped. And then Ooh. finally I will use the adjunct in a sentence. Okay, so I will make up a sentence that I want to make up with uh, the adjunct. Well, basically, so, it'll just it'll be a definition. I'm not going to give you what the adjunct okay. is because you just you have it. Okay, All so right, let's do it. Who's going to go first? Tom will. Okay, okay, Tommy goes first. Okay, so beer number one is called Mamma Mia, and it has a two point wow. five nine rating. So how's this? work if i you have to tell me exactly what the adjunct is or the ingredient how many times can you guess Uh, i'll give you three guesses okay uh and how many rounds we playing just want to make sure i can use my lifelines appropriately uh so each of you will have we have four beers okay so So, um yeah basically you'll have you you can you you can use them because you're only gonna have two beers so you said Mamma Mia? Mamma Mia. Can I get the brewery or no? Uh, I cannot give you the brewery on this one. Okay. So uh, give it, it'll give it away. I'm going to say pasta. Is that your final answer? <laughs> uh, well, I get three guesses, right? So it's my first Oh, answer. yeah. That's your first, that's your first one. I, I got to write this down. Okay. Third, no, it's not pasta. Um, oof. You have your lifelines. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna use one for round one. I'm gonna save the other two. Uh, can I get the um, untapped comment? Okay. Yeah. Odd. 
tastes like blank and blank, but isn't that bad? 2.75 stars. Well, it could be anything. Yeah. Oh, you you want another one? Okay. Uh, Remember this beauty, Kirk? Yuck. (laughs) 0.25 stars. Mama Mia. Okay, I will I'll, I'll read the third. I'll oh, read the I third was going to say tomatoes. I was going to tell you that. Tomatoes. Tomato sauce. Keep going, yeah. Uh, Tomato pizza, extract. Pizza. Yes, yes. Ding, 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 ding. Pizza? You win. It's pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Let me read this to you. Okay. So, <laughs> the original Seaforth family, Mamma Mia, pizza beer was the story behind it goes that the Seaforths actually cooked a full margarita pizza, wrapped it in cheesecloths, and then dumped it <laughs> in, in, in the brewing process. So wow. there are strong flavors of basil, oregano, tomato, and garlic. And uh, yeah. Wait, what, kind of, what style of beer was this, sorry? Uh, I, I, uh, it's, a, uh, it's just an ale. Okay. Okay. Uh, So, yes, it's a pizza ale. The description is an ale flavored with fresh tomatoes, oregano, basil, and garlic. Um, Nice job. All right. I mean, I'd try it. Tommy got a point. Okay, Justin, are you ready? Okay, this one. This is a beer from McKellar. All right. Okay, and the beer is called Beer Geek Brunch Weasel. It has a four point two four rating. Well, I Ooh. should I should know this. You've probably touched this uh, uh, bottle in your in your life. Wait, this is an abnormal adjunct. Oh yes. Oh, uh, what are uh, lifelines? Uh, use it in a sentence, please. Like like oh. make something up. Uh, <laughs> I should have prepared for this. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, this odd ingredient would be found on the ground. <laughs> uh, dandelion. No. Do, would you like another lifeline? Truffles. Eh, ish. Go Mushroom. in that realm. Mushrooms? Nope. Do you want me to read the description? Yeah, please. A fine brown color topped by a cappuccino-colored head. The aroma is vanilla, burnt almonds, and coffee with a high level of acidity. The taste reveals lots of dry dark chocolate, vanilla, and a clean cacao with an expression of fresh wet soil and very dry finish. Wet soil. I'm going to say, like, ginger root. No. Um, yeah. I'm gonna. Right. I'm gonna. Yeah, yeah. What I'm is it? Give you, it is. No, uh, I, well, I I missed that one. Just tell me what it is. It's it's poop. It's guano. No, no. Yeah, dude, shut the yeah. fuck up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel like we're so talking about this. All right, not now. Okay. All right, we've let answered. Our, we've answered our essential question of what's gone wrong, and it's adding <laughs> shit. It's adding shit to stouts. Hold on, the weasel-like civet is a native to tropical Asia and Africa and dines only on the ripest and richest coffee beans they can get their paws on. After eating, natural processes of digestion occur, 
and the cats leave Little Brown presents for dedicated brewers such as McKellar. <laughs> okay. Hold on for a second, though. The yes. natural digestion process, yeah, it's yeah. just shit. We all have a natural digestion. Listen, listen, you can oh, buy, you these, you can buy these beans, and you can buy these beans at, like, a very nice uh, uh, roastery, and they're okay. extremely expensive. Okay. I'm, t- I'm they, talking, like, $45 an ounce or some shit this, like is, this is where it falls in this that I, I know nothing about beer. So I'll they talk about a similar coffee and anger management that, like, uh, some sort of monkey shits out. Yeah. So it's yeah. weird. It's real. Uh, and just because I'm reading this uh, verbatim, I want to give credit where credit is due. I found all of these beers on beerconnoisseur.com. Thank you so much for this article, Beer Connoisseur. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, Justin, you came up short, and that makes uh, me sad because that was a really hard one. Um, I also probably should have gave Tom the ability to steal. Um, so moving forward, since it's kind of a skewed game. Wait, wait, wait. Tom, would you have gotten that one? No, no you no, would have said shit. I actually texted Tony during this. Yeah. And I said handicap mushroom. Handicap mushroom, which would have been wrong as well. Mushroom. Okay, and um, let me read you some uh, some untapped comments for this last beer. Um, it is as good as all the hype, and ten ninety nine per bottle, probably not. Did I buy it half off because it was past prime date? Most definitely. Uh, did that affect the taste? Don't give two turtle shits. Solid <laughs> beer. Not life-changing, slightly syrupy to me. 3.25 stars. Mm. Okay, number three for Thomas. And moving forward, I'm going to throw a wrench in all of this. And if Thomas doesn't get this one, Justin, you'll have an uh, uh, opportunity to steal. Okay? Uh And uh, I'll keep changing the rules as it goes along. (laughs) Okay, Thomas, are you listening? I am listening. Okay, this next one is Dock Street Brewing Co. Walker. Walker. Okay, so I used my untapped comment, I believe. You did. Um, I'm going to use my other two then. Uh, so the sentence one first, please. I forget what the third one is, to be honest. Okay, so. the sentence one first. This odd ingredient <laughs> can, can be found in a barn. It's poop. <laughs> not poop uh and what was the what's the third lifeline again uh a description i'll the, pull the trigger on that one too okay um <laughs> ale brewed with blank 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 and cranberries oh okay so, so helpful can be found in a barn <laughs> hey no that's one that's first one hmm Oof, you know, there's always answer. just that like wet horse blanket kind of vibe. But, um, hmm. <laughs> it's about all I'm thinking of is uh, hay in a barn. You know, hay and horses. Like, Keep what, thinking. Think, think outside the box. You know, again, I'm trying to think outside the, the barn. Okay. The name. Think, <laughs> the uh, name is Walker. 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 Milk. I don't know why that has anything Ooh, to do with. Keep going with that. I like where that's Ooh. going. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, Milk is part of this. <laughs> I, I mean, uh, Walker. Walker. It's a Walker. Hmm. <laughs> I'm I'm not getting much further with this other than uh, if milk's part of this, I'm going to say it can be found in a barn. It can be found okay. in a barn and milk's a part of it. Butter? 
Ah, all right, well. Justin, you have the opportunity to steal the points. Thinking again, the name of the beer is Walker. Yeah, it's a Walker. And it lives in a barn. Oops. It's <laughs> fuck. Found in a barn. Chicken. Milk's a part of it. No. <laughs> it is it is roasted goat brains. Oh, duh. Okay. <laughs> it's Walker. a Walker. Yeah, wa- uh, brains. You know, uh, like it's a Walker. It was it was a beer that was made uh, based off of um, The Walking Dead. Gotcha. I love that so much. Yeah. So, so here, dead brains. They they roasted up some greasy goat brains and put them in the beer. Yeah. And uh, here's some untapped comments. All I have to say is that I'm not sure I'll ever get all the grease and fat off my tongue. Oh, Worth trying. <laughs> Worth trying it at least to say I have. Point two no, five stars. Not worth trying. <laughs> love, love me some goat brains and beer. This actually tastes kind of sweet and flat. It is over two years old. Three point two five stars. I'm sorry. Anybody that rates that beer, anything above one, should yeah. be on some kind of like no fly list or something. It has a, it has a, it has a three point five. Three point five. Wow. Oh yes. I'm I can't believe surprised. you found this shit. Yeah, man. Okay. Justin's turn. Um, and then you guys can tie. And I actually have a, uh, a tiebreaker, so I hope you do. Oh, God. Okay. This last one is called uh, Three Sheeps Brewing, Nimble Lips, Noble Tongue, Volume 3. <laughs> All right. So, wait. What are my lifelines left? Because I had the description... You still have untapped and you still have description. I gave you the description because the, it was really hard. I'll do an untapped comment. Okay. Bogarting the murky dregs. 3.75 stars. Bogarting the murky dregs. <laughs> All right, give me the description. Hit me with the description. There is no description. Oof. <laughs> Which means I have to give you a sentence. Um, this odd ingredient is found in the water. And what's bogarting, the bogarting the murky dregs. What's it called again? Just yeah, it's called right? nimble lips, huh. noble tongue, volume three. Uh. <laughs> goat lips. <laughs> I no, like that's on the that's one. It's found in the ocean. Okay. Oh, uh, how about fish heads? No. <sighs> Tom, it's it's something it. that's this is something that's actually used in food. Seaweed. Mm. Uh, it's a liquid. Oh, salt water, ocean water, seawater. No, know. one one final guess, and then I'm going to allow Tom to steal. Fish come. <laughs> <laughs> no, Tom, do you have any ideas what Ooh. Nimble Lips and Noble Tongue Volume 3 is? Bogarting the Murky Dregs. For 99 cents, I'd do it again, but any more and probably not. Strange. And then Malty, Blanky, Delightful. And you said it's a liquid. It's a liquid, and it's found in the ocean. It's found in an animal in the ocean. Blubber. 
No. Not liquid. Oh, oh, no, 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 wait. It's um, ink. Yes, uh, yes. Ding, ding, ding. Uh, From behind. I will allow Justin to get it just so no, you guys no, can just a tie. First time it's a tie. tie. <laughs> no, it's a tie, which yeah, means yeah. the tiebreaker is here, which means I am going to open this as a free-for-all to both of you, and I'm going to tell you the name of the beer, and then that's it. And once I hear one of the ingredients, that's the winner. Okay? Okay. This beer is called Bloody Beer. Blood Orange. Wait, Bloody Beer? Bloody Beer. Tomatoes. Boom, and we have a winner. Tom, (laughs) you are the winner. (laughs) So, Bloody Beer is based off of the Bloody Mary. Yes, and it has, it's brewed with Roma tomatoes, black peppercorns, celery seed, horseradish, and dildo added. That sounds disgusting, (laughs) especially the dildo part. Uh, Oh, sorry, dill. Oh. Yes, yeah, so nice job, boys. Good job with nice. the palate cleanser. Tom is our first uh, episode two winner, which means he gets the clout moving to next week where there might be another game and maybe Ooh. someone else will have clout. Who knows? Oh. Love you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some, let's do some conclusions on adjunct stouts. Oh. I think we should save the, uh, the seltzer thing for next week. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, okay, I will start this time. Final thoughts on adjunct stouts. Um, I'm going to ask myself that question again because I always come back to it. Where did we go wrong? Did we go wrong? I think with adjunct stouts, we went wrong. Yeah, definitively, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I think definitively, yes, we went wrong. I think the reasons behind it is is because the excess of the beer community brought us to a point of no return. How do you go beyond where we are. It seems unfathomable. Now we're talking about, and this is a few years removed, barrel age pastry boys. You know what I'm saying? What are we going to do? What are we going to do beyond that? We've gone too far. We should recognize what we've done and kill the stuff. for forgiveness. It's the end of beer because like, it's not the end of beer, but it's the end of the game for beer as we know it. You can't, you literally cannot change beer from what it was to what it is in a pastry boy stout any more than it is like it is so far removed from the original idea that it's crazy i think it's also uh gone so far that you know and i've been waiting now for for years to see what is going to come next because it's a pendulum it goes one way it's going to swing back and i've been waiting for pilsners to take off <laughs> but it's just not sexy enough. And you know, I know we're not going to get into this this week, but I think it has sparked a tr- true transition of craft beer drinkers to the hard seltzer game. <laughs> so desperate for something that's Some refreshment. Refreshing. Refreshment. Something yes. that I can drink 12 of and feel good, but like fine. And I don't have to wait in line and I don't have yeah. to break the bank and I don't have to find a proxy. I don't have to find grandma. Yeah. You don't have to bring grandma. <laughs> we didn't even touch upon the mules. That's enough, you know, just to go real quick into that. Why, where pastry stouts went wrong. When you're picking Nana up at the nursing home to get your double allotment, that's where we went wrong. <laughs> yeah. And that happens. It doesn't happen everywhere. It's not everyone. I know we're using the extremes to, or at least I'm using the extremes to get my point across of where it went wrong. But uh, if that's happening, we, we 
took a wrong turn at some point. Just just to go to, uh, on like the uh, the whole idea of transitioning of beer drinkers wanting wanting to transition to something that they can crush and that is like palatable and that is like not offensive. I think the pilsners is a good point. Like, do we think that something could happen with pilsners where like they we're we're, we're talking about pilsners as they were and now as they are, or is it just these two styles, IPAs and stouts, that allow beer to become something that it's not? One of my buddies, shout out Switchblade, uh, predicted two years ago, Frilsners, fruited Pilsners. That's what's coming. I want it. It hasn't happened yet, to my knowledge, but I mean, I'm kind of on board until it turns into a, you know, pastry Pilsner. So uh, that's when we, that means we've come full circle because that reminds me of like the the resurgence of the wine cooler. Oh, wow. And I'm dating myself on that. That existed before we consumed alcohol legally. <laughs> legally legally okay yes so Not that we condone underage drinking by any means we certainly don't no that's against the law and it's reckless <laughs> all right boys um we've come a long way we've come a long journey yes. we've talked about we've talked about the the beginnings of the barrel age stout we've talked about the subtlety of the simple one adjunct out you know shout out to gunner's daughter we love you so much we've talked about the craziness of 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 the the excessive nature of the of the of the milky boy man titty stout we've talked about how we've lost sleep over these beverages we've (laughs) talked about how we avoid drinking them at all costs clearly we've gone too far and we must we must bring ourselves back to frilsners the future futures is frilsners Yes. Good night, boys. Good night, all. Peace. Thank you for listening to episode two of the Canning Run podcast. We will be back next week with an episode on fruited stowers, so stay tuned. Cheers. Cheers.